Good morning, White Oak, and welcome. So glad to uh, be here today. My name is Kevin, and uh, I am the Coleraine campus pastor, but I get to uh, come and speak and share with you today. I know that it's, uh, there's like a revolving door of people that you see, Nathan and Rick and Chris, and, uh, but uh, I'm Kevin. Uh, I'm normally out in Coleraine, and it's, uh, it's fun to be out here in Ross and get to share with you guys today. Now, I don't know what it is that you kind of walked into the room with, uh, what your week has been like. Uh, on Wednesday, I performed a funeral for my grandfather, who was 91, and uh, you know he lived a, uh, lived a really good, long life, and it was a celebration, but it was also just an emotionally draining event. And, uh, and so I don't know what you walk in with, you know, I, I walk in with that. Uh, just being a part of my week, and uh, and so it was really, really just energizing to be here with you today, and just to be able to lift up praise songs and and to be ministered to. Um, but I know that you know maybe, maybe you had a great week, but uh, but maybe you're more like me, and you came in and you had some just some things that were going on this week that kind of drug you down a little bit. Uh, but the cool thing is we all come in together. And, and we recognize that uh, wherever we're walking in from, whatever we got going on, that, uh, that we bring it here and that, uh, that God's going to do something with it if, we're, if we allow him. And so, uh, so I don't know how you walked in or what you got going on, but, uh, but my prayer is that, uh, that God's going to speak to you today. We're in the midst of a series called Made for More, and uh, I mean, we've had a lot of fun walking through this at Coleraine. I know that Nathan's been kind of doing the same thing here for you as we've been exploring this idea of what the church is made for and how we believe that all of us were made for more. We settle for things. We kind of just go through the motions sometimes. We, uh, we don't take full advantage of what it is that God really wants for us in our lives. And, uh, and, and there's more out there that God wants for us. And one of the things that we want to remind you of is that in this series is that we want to mobilize God's people in God's way. Uh, we want to mobilize God's people in God's way. And so this series is a lot about equipping. It's a lot about um, trying to encourage all of us to, uh, to really be the church. Uh, there's a slogan that kind of um, a lot of people would, uh, would gravitate to when it came to church work, and it would be this idea that we can do it as the church and as the church staff, and, and you can help. And that's the way that a lot of churches ran for a long time. Uh, but we're starting to adopt a better idea. And that's the Home Depot old slogan that is that you can do it as all of you. All of us, you can do it, and we as a church, we can help. And so what we want to do, we want to empower you. Uh, We want to empower you to use the gifts that God has given you to be able to impact the kingdom, because the church really is the body. It is every person that's here. We all make it up, and so when we just focus on staff members and we just focus on their gifts and what they can do, uh, we really limit the impact of the church, and the church was made for more than that. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about several more ideas. And in week one, we talked about this idea that Jesus is more. You see that God sat Jesus at the head of everything. He, he, he put Jesus over all. And as we think about who Jesus is, Jesus is Lord over everything. And God also said that Jesus is to fill everything in every way. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, verses, verse 22, it says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And we, we see that we learn that Jesus is more than we think. You know, sometimes we, we kind of treat Jesus as if he's a little figurine that we can kind of stick in our pocket. And it's like when we're in trouble or we really need something, we can just pull out a little bit of Jesus. But Jesus was more than that. And so uh, we, uh, we, we kind of wrestled with what it means for Jesus to be more in our life. In week two, we talked about this idea that we were made to be more. You see, we, we learned that we were masterpieces made by God to do masterpiece missions. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. We are a testimony to the workmanship of God. You know, hearing that you're a masterpiece is kind of hard because sometimes all we see is the flaws but we realized that we were made to be more. And then last week we talked about this idea that we were made to love more. You know, there were some really interesting things that we learned in chapter 3 of Ephesians. And one of the things that really kind of blew me away was that God was asking that we might receive this power from him, this power in, in our, that he would fill us with this power. But this power was given so that he said, we might be able to comprehend. This power was given so that we might be able to understand just how much Jesus loves us. That God wanted us to give us this strength and this power, and the reason for this power was so we might be able to just know how much Jesus loved us. That we needed supernatural help from God to be able to comprehend just how much Jesus loves each and every one of us. And that was something I'd really never considered before until I really dug into Ephesians chapter 3. And because we are loved so much by Jesus, we are called then to go out and love others. And so we are made to love more. And so as we kind of dive into all these things, today we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. See, we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Ephesians and so if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you're using a mobile app, you can get there. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the hub, and uh, we would love to give you one as a gift. But in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, it says this. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul, the writer of Ephesians, is, is writing this letter to this church in Ephesus where he wants to encourage them. He wants to uh, be an encouragement to them. And so in chapter 4, what he's doing, he's setting this foundation. He says, look, he says, I believe that God has given you a calling. I believe that God has given you gifts. I believe that God has a purpose for your life. And I want you to live in such a way that honors that call. I want you to live in such a way that takes full advantage of that call. Paul knew that we were made to do more. That's our big idea today, that I am made to do more. You see that God has something for my life. He created me specifically to be able to do certain things, and he doesn't want us to miss it. And some of us, we've been going through our life, missing what it is that God has for us to do. 
So we pick up in Ephesians chapter 4. Now we're going to jump in in verse 11. So follow along with me as we go through this. Verses 11 through 16. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. With each part, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul is pointing out here that there are these really vitally important gifts or skills that have been given to help with the mission of the church. They're right there in verse 11. Take a look at what it says. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And now when we read that, one of the things that we have to wrestle with, one of the things that we deal with is that when we read that, we think that, Oh, that's, that's a bunch of other people. Uh, that's someone else. Those words, those are kind of big official words. Words like apostle and prophet, evangelist. And they're kind of scary. And that has nothing to do with me. But what we want you to see is that what Paul is saying, he says, all of these different gifts, all of these different five gifts were given so that the church might come to full maturity. And we're going to take a look how all of these play a part into us. And what it's doing is it's protecting us. It's making us mature. See, he continues on in that passage where he says, So that we no longer may be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So there's times when we are immature where anything that gets said we might believe. We, we read something over here, and, and we, we say, oh, well, that sounds pretty good, and so we believe that, and then we read something on Facebook, and somebody else has got an idea, and so we start to lean into that, and it's like, well, that could be true. Uh, our aunt or our uncle might share something with us. It's like, when we're immature, we get bounced around with what it is that we believe. <clears throat> but a mature person is able to take and, and take all those different things that they hear, take all the different things that are said, and they're able to examine them for what they are and hold firm to the foundational beliefs that they have. So your family loves going to the beach in summer. We got any beach vacation people that like to go to the beach for vacation? Got anybody out there? <clears throat> so for a long time, ever since uh, my wife and I have been married, we've taken a summer trip to the ocean. <clears throat> And so uh, for a long time when we were going, we were going to Treasure Island, Florida, which is on the Gulf, and it's one of our favorite places to go. 
But something happened one year uh, a while back, and we were not able to go to that location. And so we were just looking for new places to go. We had a friend that, uh, that offered us up to be able to stay in their house that was in Outer Banks, North Carolina. We'd never been. We thought, oh, that might be funny. Anybody ever been to Outer Banks? All right. And so, uh, so we go to Outer Banks, and one of the things that our kids look forward to, one of the things that they love about going to the ocean is to go out into the water, stand with their back to the waves, and just let those waves hit on their back, all right? Uh, especially our little kids, because uh, I'm a dad of four. And so as, these, uh, as, as we were getting there and kind of, you know, getting set up on the beach and everything, I immediately began to begin to notice that, uh, that we were not in Treasure Island, Gulf Coast, Florida anymore. If you've been to the Outer Banks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These waves were massive. And as we went out to do our ritual thing, which is let these waves knock us on the back, we quickly realized that we were in over our heads, like that this was like no joke. I mean, our kids are like getting just pummeled, and uh, it wasn't too long until we had to call time out. We were like, all right, this maybe isn't such a good idea. They're putting red flags up and, uh, you know. But that's that imagery that Paul uses that you're just getting tossed back and forth by waves. And if you've ever been in a situation where the waves are that kind of strong, man, you can feel helpless, just getting bounced back and forth. And Paul says, look, if we don't have all of these gifts working together, if we don't have maturity in the church, the church is just going to get bounced back and forth like a little child, like the waves carrying them this way and that way. And so one of the things that we recognize is that we're looking for maturity. He says this, Paul does, he says, Grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ. Uh, Paul shares that these five things, these five different gifts, they bring about maturity. And if you've been following along with us in this Made for More series, you've heard us talk about the assessment that White Oak is offering for free for you to take. Maybe you've taken it already. Uh, we've got a slide up here that we're going to show that, uh, that just tells you. You can go to our website, thewcc.com, and take it if you haven't. And, uh, and so these five gifts that Paul mentions in here are things that coincide with the assessment. If you take the assessment and you make it all the way through the end, and uh, when you get your results back, you will have some of these different five gifts that it is identified as one of your strengths. And, uh, and so when we take it, one of the things that happens is that when you finish it, you get the results back and we get the results back. And, and so one of the cool things is, is that what we want to do, again, we said this, this series is about equipping people. About, um, about sending people out to do the, the mission of the church out into the world. And so what we want to do is we want to partner with you. Uh, I just had a meeting at Colerain last week where I talked to a young lady that wants to serve in prison ministry. And so she took the assessment and she was encouraged by the series and had the courage to say, hey, you know what, this has been on my heart for a little bit. I want to do this. And so we're working along with her to figure out how we can get her plugged in to a prison ministry that she can serve in. And so that's what the assessment really is all about, that, that people would take it, you'd find out more about your giftedness, we would find out about your giftedness, and then we would be able to partner together to help launch you into ministry. 
both inside of White Oak and out into the community. And, uh, and we think that that's going to be a really powerful thing. So we encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, to take the assessment. But in the assessment, when you get the, when you get the uh, information back, it's going to give you um, some of your strengths. And some of your strengths are going to be in these five gifts that Paul talks about in Ephesians. And now when we see these on the surface level, things like apostle and prophet and evangelist, you might think to yourself, well, I'm not Paul. I'm not Peter. You know, I'm not, I'm not Moses. You know, how, how do these things fit into the church today? And so what we want to do is we want to take these different words and we want to help define them so you can understand exactly what it is that we're talking about. Because we are not saying that, uh, that we are the apostles like the early church apostles that, uh, that were going around giving out the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and doing different things like that. But what we will see here is through this definition that Paul uses in Ephesians that uh, what these look like for everybody. And so I think you'll, you'll get a better idea as we start to go through them. So the first one is apostles. That's one of the giftedness. That's one of the strengths. And, and, and apostles are people who are always extending and expanding the mission. Uh, they are the people that are, are driven with trying to accomplish the goal of the organization. And so um, every, every organization that you can think of, whether it's a Fortune 500 company, whether it's a church, whether it's a nonprofit, all of them have apostles that are working in them. People who are on target, on mission, and trying to extend the mission and grow that organization. And so for our church to be a healthy church, we have to have those kind of people who are working in it. The, other, uh, the next one is prophets. Prophets are people who are familiar with the will of God. And so they're always asking questions and critiquing everything they see to make sure that it stays in line with what the will of God is. Right? Prophets know God's will, and they question everything to make sure that it stands up to the truth of God. Evangelists are recruiting. They're always inviting, right? In the business world, these people might look like salespeople or spokesmen of an organization, but they got this infectious desire to always be adding, to always be inviting, to always be recruiting. Shepherds are people who nurture and care for the community. They're protectors. They're people who go on hospital visits, or people who, who write cards, or people who are always checking on people. And let me tell you, when we're talking about these things, these people are not just staff people. These people make up the church with their giftedness, and they come in all shapes and sizes. The last one is teachers. And teachers have the ability to give information that's understandable. They have the ability to explain complex things and make it easily known for people. They train people on how to do things and make sure that the organization runs smoothly. One of the things that uh, is cool about when we take a look at these five different strengths is that Jesus had all of them. I mean, I mean think about it. An apostle, the, the Jesus, Jesus was the first apostle. Jesus knew the mission that he was on, and he knew how to complete it, and Jesus gathered other apostles, right? 
So he's the first apostle. Is he a prophet? Yeah, he was a prophet. Was he an evangelist? You bet, he was always calling people towards his mission. Was he a shepherd? His name is the Good Shepherd, right? It's, it's what he called himself, it's what others called him. He cared for his people. Was he a teacher? Some say maybe he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. And so Jesus comprised all of these things in one person. The problem is, is that here today, none of us have all five of these strengths. It's just impossible. We, there's no person that can do all five of these things well. Not Rick, not Nathan, not Chris, not me. None of us have all five of these. Only Jesus. And so, I want you to, there was an 80s cartoon that was out a long time ago. It was called Voltron. Anybody familiar with Voltron? It's kind of making a comeback. Got a few people. And so the deal with Voltron was, and I'm not an expert on this, but there was uh, these like cat-like robots and there were pilots that, uh, that would give the, get in these. And, uh, and every one of them, every one of these robots, had a different skill, different strength. And when they were in really, really deep trouble, when, you know, when, when, when things were, seemed to be really, really bad, these five robots would come together to form one giant robot called Voltron, right? And so when we take these five gifts, these five strengths, well, I might have one of them, and you might have another, and somebody else might have another, and somebody have another. When we can combine all five of those through the church, through our, through our organization, when we come together and all five of these gifts are present, working together, in harmony, it's like this idea of Voltron, that we are better together, that we are stronger together, right? Paul uses the analogy, he calls the church the body, right? Somebody's a hand, and somebody's an ear, and somebody's an eye, and it takes all of us coming together with all of our different strengths, and not just the strengths of their staff, not just the strengths of your, your, your campus pastor, the strengths of all of us together, coming together to form the church. Because we are better together. See, we are made to do more. I want to read you Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When the whole body is working properly, when everybody is together, doing their part, sharing their gifts, sharing their strengths. We're better together. One of the things as we're talking about this idea of made to do more that I don't want you to hear, I don't want you to hear that we're just asking you to be busier. Sometimes when we talk about this idea of 
that we're made to do more. We just talk about as a church that, hey, you should get involved in this. We want you to do this. We want you to do this. And it just sounds like noise because it's like you just take a look at your life and you're just like, man, I'm just so busy, right? We wear this idea of busyness like a, like a badge of honor, right? It's like you have to be busy because if you're not busy, then you're lazy. And if you're lazy, you're no good to anybody. And so we just, we're just constantly busy. We don't need you busier, okay? What we want you to understand is that you have to do more of what matters most. Do more of what matters most. And, and we're going to do a little visual. Hope you don't mind. I brought some props. Got my orange Home Depot bucket here. And I've got this clear container. And I want this container to kind of represent your life, all right? And uh, we've got these orange ping pong balls, and they, they represent the stuff that we do. Whatever it is, good, bad, and different, you know? And so, uh, so I've got a job, so that takes up some of my life. I'm a husband, and so that's some of this. I'm a father, and that's some of this. I've got four kids, so it's more than most. And, uh, and so we just continue. We've got all this stuff that we're doing, you know? I like to go hiking, so I got some hobbies that I throw in here. I got chores and stuff and what it means to keep your house going. I like to binge watch stuff on Netflix, and so that goes in there. And just our lives, right? They just, they just keep getting filled with, with stuff, things, whatever it is, right? Um, and uh, my kids got practices, and I got four of them, so let me really get that in there, right? Got stuff going on. And it doesn't take too long for any of us. I don't care if you're 13 or you're 30 or you're 80. We fill our lives up really, really quickly with stuff, right? We just get so busy doing things. And some of them matter, right? You're volunteering in Grow Zone and you're doing it. It's just, but it gets filled up. And then we come into church and we, we're talking about and we've got this masterpiece mission that God has for you, this foundational piece of your life, this thing that God has created you and designed you to do. And you're like, where's it going to fit? You know, I mean, how, how am I going to do the thing that God wants me to do? Where's that gonna, how's that going to go in my life? Jesus wants to be the foundation of who I am, and, and I've got no room for him. I think that Nathan talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago, but this idea that oh, we've got we to gotta hit the reset button, right? Well, maybe we just need to empty ourselves. Figure out, how do I do more of what matters most? How do I do more of what matters most? How do I hit the reset button and stop everything and just say, Hey, how do I put God at the center of my life? How do I put this foundational element of who Jesus wants me to be at the center of my life? And then I can throw things in, like being a father and a husband and a pastor. I can, I can fit in things like vacations 
I can fit in things like hobbies. I can fit in things like, you know, volunteering and other things. But at the core, at the center of who I am is Jesus. Because he came first. And because he's in the center. And so I can fill in around him. And there's room for all these other things that I need to be able to do. But he's there. And he's at the center of everything I'm doing. We're chasing after so much stuff. We're filling our life with so many things. We are made for more. And we were made to do more. But we've got to figure out how we do more of what matters most. We've got to start with Jesus. We've got to start with God's plan for our lives. And so maybe you came here today and the thing that you're going to take away from this, maybe is this visual, but the thing that you really need to focus on is like, how do I put Jesus first? If I'm going to do more, it means I've got to do less of some other things. What do I got to say no to? What do I got to cut out? But how do I put Jesus first? Some of you came here today and Jesus isn't first. You don't have Jesus at the center of your life. You've never accepted him. You, you've never just claimed him. And we would love, we're going to have baptisms today. Darren's going to talk more about it. And we would love to be able to share with you what it looks like to put Jesus first in your life. And so, as we conclude today with the message... I just pray, my prayer for you is that we would figure out what matters most and how we do it. So I'm going to pray and in a moment we're going to sing a song and as we're singing, I just want you to be reflecting on how Jesus becomes the center of everything that we do. God's given you gifts and talents and skills. And he wants you to use those for his kingdom. But Jesus has got to come first. Would you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, I thank you so much for what it is that you're doing in our lives. And I thank you so much for the gifts that you give us. But God, I just pray that we might put Jesus at the center of all we do and all we are. That he would come first. And everything else would just fill in around it, God, that he would be our heartbeat. Thank you for Jesus and what he did on the cross. Thank you for the love that he gives every one of us. And help us to do more of what matters most.